Welcome to the third season of Diversify the Stand. Together we speak with a wide range of musicians who talk about topics that are important to them. I'm Carrie Blosser. And I'm Ashley Killam. We're so excited to dive into talks with a whole bunch of guests this season. If you like following along and are a fan of our podcast, please leave us a five-star rating and review. To start off season three, we welcome Kataj Copley, composer and current master's student at the University of Texas at Austin. Thank you, Kataj, so much for joining us. Great to be here. Thank y'all. So we wanted to ask you, how did you get started in music? Okay. Well, for me, it started with band. And a lot for a lot of people, it started with band. And I was in sixth grade, not knowing much about anything in the world, but I knew that the saxophone looked cool. And something drew me into that instrument and it drew me into that world to where I was staying past like okay I was gonna give it a try in sixth grade all right we liked it in sixth grade seventh grade eighth grade and then we just kept pushing and pushing and I never realized like what drew me to it while I was younger but now I realized it was just it was sort of a calling to just go into music and just create didn't know at the time but it was that it was that pull it was that attraction yeah, that's how I started music, was just playing in band, seeing all my friends in band, and growing with them and with music in general. That's so awesome. I always think like a saxophone ensemble has so many, like such a wide like range of styles and sounds. Like I think the saxophone is one of those instruments that really fits in a lot of places. Exactly, exactly. Which you might have started hearing different versions because now you are a composer as well as a saxophone you're more compo are you doing more composing now than saxophoning yeah i'm doing more composing now um i'm taking a break with um saxophoning just to focus on the um the writing but every now and then um i get together with my friends and we just jam it hasn't happened since i moved to texas because they're all in georgia but i should be going back pretty soon and the first thing that we're gonna do is we're just gonna go and play that's great. And then with your compositions, your first composition premiered in 2017, which isn't a long time ago. Um, so kind of one, first, how did you get into composing? And then what kickstarted your career that now you're a pretty well-known composer? Yeah. So to kind of get started with the, I guess, how, how I got into composing, when I was a sophomore in um, high school, things that I could not control in my life um, affected me both mentally, emotionally, and physically. Um, it was a really dark time for myself and my family. And at that time, I didn't even want to be um, a composer. I wanted to be a film director. Um, I love film. And I was, again, like in a very dark place. And so I was trying to create with film, but Again, I was turned down by people around me. I was I was shut down by like everything. So I was not able to express with words or anything what was going on with me until we had a chamber ensemble concert in high school. And this was my junior year. So for that one year, it was completely dark. And I didn't know what I wanted to do in life. But then the next um, next year, we had chamber ensembles. And again, I had no energy, no motivation to do anything, um, but it was for a grade, so had to get that out of the way. And I got together with um, four of my, my, my close friends, and 
I was on tenor saxophone. There are two others on alto saxophone, a clarinet and a tuba. And so no one had any flex band pieces at the time for that. And so we're like, what are we going to do? And I was like, I can just arrange something. I don't know what told me to say that. I can try something. And so I did. And I did Bohemian Rhapsody from the beginning to the guitar solo of that. And I mentioned this, like, even though it wasn't my piece, it felt like I was able to express with the colors that we had as an ensemble, with the colors that the band had, and merged them to create something that was unique, um, something that was unique to me. And when we went to go perform it, it went well. And I honestly felt like I was able to finally speak. And I have not looked back since then. Um, that was a that was a big moment. I was like, this is what I really actually love to do. And I actually had started to build passion for it. And after that, the next year, our senior year, we were like, let's just do this for a full year and see what happens. And so... I was just arranging things left and right just for fun. No, nothing. We had like small gigs here. We were play. we played at a wedding, which I thought was really fun. Um, we played at, uh, at a Christmas banquet. We did a state conference thing for like the superintendents around Georgia. I was like, this is really going somewhere else. And then as I'm doing um, this, we had a, Again, the Chamber Ensemble concert was what we were working on from the beginning of the year to that moment. And we had like a 20-minute time slot this time to just do whatever we wanted. And so we did like four songs. And at that time, the comp, um, composition professor at West Georgia, Dr. Ernesty, was at the concert. He was like, you should um, audition for West Georgia. And I said, okay, I will. And... So that's how I got into, I guess, composition in college. But the main push was my um, saxophone professor in college. He, Dr. John Blue, is one of the most unique people I've ever met. He is the definition of passion of me- within music. And he pushed me to just go for it. I had not had a single composition, like original composition, until November 14th. Um, of 2017, when I went, uh, when I went to my freshman year, my first lesson, he was like, "You're gonna write a piece for the saxophone ensemble concert, and it's gonna be great." And he was like, "Um, get give it to me in the spring, and then we'll work on it the next fall." I was like, "Oh my!" So okay, and so he gave me full range, just free range, just to do whatever I wanted. Um, so I just told a, a story about a person's life through. 20 minutes of just like started with nothing. We ended with this giant work and had it not been for that drive, that push, I would not be here doing this interview. (laughs) I would probably still trying to get up to the part where I'm at now. And had it not been for him and his passion and his belief, belief was the strongest thing just to put that much trust in his in his ensemble, which is about forty saxophones, to just go and say, "Hey, we're going to premiere a new piece you've never written before, or original piece." So let's just give it a try. 
And he gave me that much faith and trust. And I went with it and it fueled me to just go and create after that even more. So I went from zero to now it's looking like 60 in the past four years. That's how it kind of just happened. If it wasn't for for the people who were around me, like Dr. Blue, like Dr. Bird um, as well. Dr. Bird is at, also at West Georgia. He is the one ensemble director, um, director of bands. And he guided me to finding things and using the colors that I had and actually smoothing them out, making it more um, fluid, making it more, making it more, I guess, rich. So that happened. And Dr. Self gave me kind of like the energy to um, do things um, in a certain way, kind of gave me the personality and um, an aspect of that. So again, I, I feel like I didn't do all this, but I am just, I am nothing if not just a reflection of the people who helped me along the way. It's like the, the community that kind of morphed to get you into band and not just you, but like, you know, we see band as this like community that everyone wants to be involved in, but then it like morphs into the community that makes a thing that you could have never imagined, Exactly. you know, years ago. And it's so wonderful you have, even with like, you know, the roller coaster of life, you've got this amazing support system that's like followed you and, and grown with you over the years. Yeah, I was, again, every time I was in like a dark spot in life or a dark place in life, which were a handful of times, and I wanted to drop myself, like bring myself lower, but the people around me, again, helped me pick um, pick myself up to help me realize that I am something more than just this. I am doing something bigger than that. My goal as I continue with this composition is like, yeah, I'm young right now. And at the time I wanted to be an aspiring composer, but now it's time for me to be an inspiring composer. I also really, I really love seeing like you and Kevin Day. I feel like I look on social media and I just see like the two of you hyping each other up so much. <laughs> and it just makes my heart so happy just to see. Um, we've seen that a little bit with um, our, our commissioning project that we just finished doing. Like they're like now friends on social media and they hype each other up all the time. So I, I think that's yeah. such a cool thing too. It's funny because I, I met Kevin when um, at West Georgia, we were doing a um, conference, CBDNA. And again, the whole idea of trust and building that trust. So Dr. Bird was like, we want you to write a piece for us, um, do a fanfare. And you're going to be in, I was like, you're going to be in an ensemble. I was like, okay, cool. Let's do it. And then I wrote Nova and then we were also playing um, one of the movements from uh, Kevin's concerto uh, for Euphonium. And Dr. Bird was like, Hey, we got a lesson with him. Um, for you just pick a time i was like okay i've never met this person before i have no idea who this is let's go for it so i was just like sitting down just like being awkward and then he comes in and he's on skype we're both on skype and it just it just happened like it clicked it was like two two energies that like meshed well i was like Let's go. And then ever since then, it's been like where he's at, I'll be at, or where I'm I'm at, he'll be at. And it's like we it's like crossing paths on each other's journeys and both milestones and just the small things. 
I consider him a friend and he considers me as a friend as well. And yeah, just, just like that. No, I love it. I think we can get really competitive, especially in music. You're like, Oh, there's only one of this or one of that. But I think it's really great when we realize like there's space for everyone and we can like support each other and like hype each other up a little bit. Speaking of relationship building, um, we have uh, worked with the, the tuba euphonium social justice initiative um, and had their president, and a few of their members on our podcast and some other events that we've done, um, we would love to talk with you about your piece that you wrote um, for that uh, consortium, your piece Limitless. Can you talk about that process, uh, a little bit about the piece, just anything that you want to chat about for that tuba euphonium part? Yeah, that was that was an event. <laughs> I um, I was told that there was like um, like a list of composers that they wanted to select and people could like vote on and see. And so my friend who's on, who's in the group, he was like, Hey, um, we just put your name down for this. I was like, all right, man, thank you. Appreciate it. So the next like couple of weeks, he's like, yeah, you made it to the top 20. I was like, okay, appreciate it, man. (laughs) Just keep going. Hey, you made it to the top five. I was like, okay, I've seen this. I'm, I'm from Georgia. We all know how Georgia sports work. We can go up to here and then we go down. So just tell me when, when I'm supposed to go down. And it's like, hey, you made it to the top three. I'm like, okay, again. And then they're like, ah, you um, you were number two. I was like, hmm, see, got it. But number one can do it. And I was like, oh, so then I get to do the project. Like, yeah, you get to do the project. I was like, okay, I'll start writing now. I had no idea. Like, I wasn't planning to actually be in the project and so all these ideas were popping up and just the idea well first the piece started off with the um the idea of the word idea and it builds off of having just like a small bit of an idea or a thing you want in a change and then you in the second movement it goes into the belief to build up the courage to create this movement of change. And then the third movement is the reality of it, which is the battle which you want to bring change into a world that's kind of dark and kind of kind of cruel at times. And to be that small bit of change for, for um somebody who feels oppressed and who feels like the world is not with them, to fight for them. If you create this kind of steps between the belief, um, the idea of the belief and um, the reality, then anything that you want in in the reality will become limitless. So that's where that piece came from. And yeah, it was a process. It was, it was a very interesting um, thing because I never, I didn't even have the belief in me to even get this thing to um, happen. And then it happened. And I've I enjoyed that piece. I enjoyed writing it. My favorite movement is the second movement because it's just, that was when I was starting to feel like the belief within myself. So honestly, this piece was timelining of what was going on with me as well. That's the one thing. There's just so much depth in in your writing, like whether it's large ensemble piece or like brass quintet works, you can just really hear and grasp what, is coming through, but then there's still a lot of opportunity for the, you know, any of the performers to have their own journey 
with yeah. this, which I think is so cool. Yeah, all my pieces. Weird analogy that I have for all my pieces. It's just, but it makes sense. I treat each one like it's my kid. Why is because they start off with from me and I build them, give them the experiences that I know and kind of help them create their own identity. And then when they're all grown up, I send them away <laughs> to go and do whatever they need to do to go and impact other people. Cause that's what kids do. Um, like your kids, once they go off, they impact somebody else's life. And then that builds on another life and that goes and goes and goes creating this huge connection. Yeah. So I treat each one as like my kid. And for me, when I'm creating the actual pieces, it is the idea of storytelling. It is the idea of this is something that I need in my life as well. So I'm going to go in and just be completely vulnerable and write about the things that have impacted me, the topics that some people don't want to talk about. Some people um, choose not to talk about. And when you're at when, when you're at your lowest at one point and you're going back up, nothing seems taboo. Nothing seems dark. And my my writing process is I think I put it in my in my website about the idea of taking out um putting your heart on a piece of paper and just spreading it on a pe- on on a sh- on a sheet of music and saying here here is something that I can't take back cuz now it's out in the world do what you uh, will tell me your story that you hear from this and um I think the biggest example of that is my last piece um where the sky's no stars that piece is it is a piece um <laughs> it's 20 minutes of emotions for me and i have my own story to it and i wrote it but for others and when i asked them when they're performing what's your story behind it and the number one theme about it was the idea of letting go or letting go of pain um for me it was the uh, culmination of younger me meeting older me and older me telling younger me that it's going to be okay like no matter what happened in the span, we are okay here. We are where we're at now. Um, for some people, it was um, saying goodbye to their grandparents, not getting that chance to say goodbye. And the idea of not being able to say goodbye or not having the moment to resolve um, whether their person that person's gone or they don't want to. Um, another person was the idea of relationships and being in a bad one and trying to find yourself again. And this piece just has so many different symbols for everybody. But ultimately, it's just the idea of breathing in and letting go. That's just a way of how, I guess, storytelling works in my music. And again, it's, it's just it's kind of funny because for me, um, yes, they feel like children, but they're also kind of like diaries into my life and just like different um, adventures that I've been on or different ideas I've th- thought about. So I think it's kind of cool that I am um, I can give you a text or a book and then you interpret it however you want. And that's just the best thing about music as well. That's fantastic. I think, too, especially some of the works you're writing for 
maybe even younger musicians that are in school, like having an outlet for like those big emotions is so important. And I think no offense to like the standard wind band canon, but there, I think there's just, there's a need for that for sure for students and for grownups and anyone who plays music. Like we need that outlet to, to take those internal emotions and turn them external in a productive way, if that makes sense. And in a yeah. self-destructive way, I think that's, it's really important to have that outlet. Yeah. And like, again, just like the topics that are dealing, that we're dealing with now and the conversation that we have to have. And I, I, I mentioned this to someone, but I had to remind them that music um, is, is nothing, if not a reflection of the times that we are in. So if we can create music about the times that we are in, to not only be, um, I guess, for kind of a historian aspect of this is what we were writing, but kind of this is how we view the events that have taken place around us. And how can we, A, learn from them, and B, um, change them for the future. Small break from questions to listen to one of Kataj's newest works for Wind Ensemble. It's a piece called Dope, and it's all about combining styles and types of music that has inspired and influenced him. After this clip, we'll be back with questions.
upcoming thing that's super exciting <laughs> is your premiere of In Living Color um, happening at Midwest this year. Yeah. And so, yeah, we'd love to hear about that piece, how that all came to be, and how now you're going to be this at least country, you know, U.S. famous composer <laughs> with, you know, a piece being premiered at one of the biggest Yeah. Events. So last year I was in my room. I was just talking to a friend. We are like, um, this was also during the pandemic. So we were all like, um, like Skyping and FaceTiming before we realized that Zoom, Zoom was a thing. And um, we, we were just talking and then I get an email and it said, Brian Covey, Midwest. And I was like, yeah, I'll be right back. So I checked the email and it said, hey, can we um, play one of your pieces, Eureka, for um, a Midwest event of, of that year? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like getting into like what all you had to do for Midwest. Like this is a lot of stuff for just music, but okay. Uh, it's a lot, a lot of format and um, instead of just like hey play what you like to hear but uh, that's not me and midwest was canceled that year or it was virtual so no performances and i was like oh man because not only that but the atlanta wind symphony wanted me to um create a piece as well so i did and that piece is gone going on as well next um well this year so infinity is going on as well but in living color, Brian again reached out to me and said, "Hey, we just got back on. Um, we're going for 2021." And in June, I was like, "This is the first time for a lot of people to um, get back and hear live music and get back and to do um, this thing in Midwest." And so I called Brian. I was like, "Hey, um, funny story. Is there a way I can just..." maybe just write a piece that's not something that I already written and just kind of create something that's just brand new. And he's like, yeah, go ahead. What are you thinking about? I was like, well, I just want to make a mashup of like some of um, my favorite songs I've listened to in concert and just kind of create like an homage to that and make it um, into like this weird kaleidoscope of colors and energy and he's like, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, just let me know because we're, we're starting to um, build up the program. And I said, cool. So I think in June 1st, yeah, it was June 1st. And I was like, all right, time to write. And it happens every now and then, like some energy takes over. And I'm like, oh, this is nice. Or this is it. And like, I was living with roommates at the time. And they would hear me be like, yep, that's the one. That's all right. Let's go. And then they're like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, but this is like, I'm really getting into it. So it went from June 1st to June 4th. It was June 4th. So at that time, I was just writing this kind of like, I'm getting back into the feeling. I'm getting back in. And yeah, it was it was crazy because um, I hadn't written like that since uh, Where the Skies and the Stars, but I was like, I'm getting back in. I'm feeling this kind of energy again. And it created this weird, fun, just colorful piece. And I was like, we're back and we're in living color. We're, in, we're where we need to be at. We're getting to the steps of where we need to be at. 
So it was like, let's just push this even further. Let's get the energy that we need for not only this piece, but for pieces after um, mine. And just let's see where we go from there. That's really cool. I'm so excited. So I, we didn't want to spoil it earlier, and hopefully we didn't. So we're recording this now in November of 2021. Midwest happens in December of 2021. And then as listeners are listening, it will be February of 2022. Yeah. It's scary to say that number out loud for some reason, but um, <laughs> <laughs> in your future, uh, can you talk about any other exciting projects that you have coming up for us to keep an eye out for? Yeah. So I have, well... This um, this week in November, I will be going back home for uh, Where the Skies No Stars, the Georgia premiere, and it's going to be a huge. Um, it's going to be an emotional ride um, because that piece was written um, with the idea of some of the people who were at that school who helped me be this and so being able to give like a final thank you for this piece the the premiere of it is going to be so special um some of the people are in the ensemble some of the people will be in the audience but it's going to be an emotional feeling and i'm excited for that and i'll also um be at my um saxophone professor's uh last concert because he was retiring so if anything, I owe that man a lot. So I'm most definitely going to that. And then in December, it's Midwest. Um, in January, um, at GMEA, um, a local school that I um, that I grew up around, not my um, alma mater, but uh, Central High School, Central Carroll High School, they're doing a piece because they're, um, they got into GMEA. And it's like, let's just get everybody who was in the Carroll County area and create something of that. And so I created this piece called Havens and I'll um, be promoting that really soon. But Havens is about the idea of home is where the heart is. And like, I am 888 miles away from my actual home or from my actual friends, but I still have them here. And the concept is no matter how far you travel, as long as you keep the people that you care about the most, this is what always going to be home. So that's going to be January. And then in February, me and um, Kevin, we're going to CBDA in Fresno to do um, a joint premiere. He's doing his Requiem for the Fallen and I'm doing When Heaven Cries. And it's both about pieces of about police brutality and the lives lost to that. And yeah, it's going to be emotional as well. All that to say, I would not have imagined like this ride four years ago. This Sunday, um, not this Sunday, but next Sunday, yeah, next Sunday, sorry, it will be the four year anniversary of um, Spectra. And I cannot imagine, again, this whole thing happening, this whole weird journey um, from not being able to find myself to all of a sudden finding myself in multiple states and three different countries. It's, it's really funny how music does that. And once you have passion in something, the profit comes. 
November 14th is also my birthday. So I remember when I was reading through your pieces that I was like, I will never forget you because your <laughs> piece is on my, well, not my obviously birthday because I'm not four years old. <laughs> Much more than four. <laughs> we are at the final, final question for you today. We would love to know what is on your music stand this week and how are you diversifying your stand? Yeah. So I don't really have actual PDFs of, well, I don't actually have paper, but I do have this wonderful, I'm going to hide the product, this wonderful tablet here. And this wonderful tablet has helped me discover different colors that I want to add on to my already wide palette, I guess. To go back into um, the, when I had the premiere for the Skies and the Stars, when I listened to it, it was a complete shut off of like everything. Like it felt like I was released, but I also was like, well, you just wrote about 23 years of your life. What are you going to do now? <laughs> so I'm like, I feel like I'm now like two months old and just going in and just be like, you wrote in this style for so long. Why don't you just imp- incorporate the other styles that you love? Like, why is it so hard to incorporate hip hop into your own writing? And I was like, and my professor, Professor Thomas, asked me, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I've not thought about that. Um, so I, um, in order to make something new, I had to go back. And I go, I went back to exactly the things that I love. On my stand, it is Kamasi Washington's The Epic and me transcribing his um, lines in that album. Not only that, but trying to incorporate the many, um, the many colors and just the pure artistry of Kendrick Lamar's last couple of works, putting them and trying to see, okay, that would be nice as a woodland line, or that would be nice as this. And just helping to break that, um, that barrier that we have between this is how music is supposed to sound versus that's not how music is supposed to sound. Why do we have that barrier? How can we break it? And how can we create something that will be, I don't even have a title for it. Like, how can we create the untitled? Yeah, how can we create the untitled? So with that, I still, um, I also have my, um, one of my favorite composers, Takashi Yoshimatsu and his trombone concerto. It is bananas, but um, he creates so many different colors. I just want to be like, just lend me, like your way of um, orchestrating. Tell me why you chose this and just like, why, how did you create a palette with just, how did you create a masterpiece with six colors with the palette that he has? And so this weird blend of Yoshimatsu, Kendrick Lamar, Kamasi Washington, John, John Coltrane, this mix of classical jazz, hip hop, and then creating something that is, Again, untitled. Uh, that's the biggest challenge I've had these couple of weeks. But it's just been so fun to like dive into and be like, that's cool. Let me see if I can use that and then blend it to create me, to create a new me. Wonderful. Thank you again so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Diversify the Stand. To support us and our projects, visit our website at diversifythestand.org. 
And a huge shout out to Eris Jajarnet, who wrote the intro and outro music. The piece that we've been playing is Board Games for Two Trumpets and Fixed Media. Links to their website are in the podcast description. And as always, we ask our guests, what's on your stand?